if it had been possible to draw up a ranking of the best awakenings, those at Cochrane's house would have won without a fight. The light just filtered by the shutters, the scent of coffee in the air, and the generous pair of Alistair Crowley have become, for Cassandra, the fundamental elements to face her days. In recent weeks, she had decided, in agreement with Cochrane, to undergo a complete medical checkup, which fortunately had not revealed any anomalies. She then had accepted, always on Gareth's advice, to face everything calmly and not to think too much about decisions or choices to be made in the near future. It was almost a vacation, a path of reintegration into normal life, everyday life, and common society, even if nothing together with Cochrane ever seemed so normal and common to her. She had even managed to regain her identity, or at least part of it. The FBI had granted her a new passport, this time American. With a brand new photo, finally, with her true black hair and her new name, Cassandra Duke. She liked her new surname. It placed her between a progressive rock album and a noble house, a quick but accurate synthesis of her being in the world. Are you looking forward to this evening? Cochrane asked as he served her pancakes and coffee on the kitchen counter. Cassandra simulated to be more awake than what she truly was. Is it Friday already? She asked shyly, holding on 
cup of coffee. Cochrane smiled. Even Alistair Crowley seemed resigned to a very slow mental wake-up. So much so that he got on her knees and meowed with a certain vehemence. Okay, okay, I give up. Give me a break and more coffee, please. Cochrane kissed her forehead and filled her cup with more espresso. I guess you will be excited. After all, it is an important day for everyone. Pat enters the FBI special training program. Amy takes leave. Carmenate has been promoted. Ramon was so happy that he organized everything himself at his parents' dance school, which he reserved just for all of us to celebrate undisturbed. Cassandra drank her coffee, but her expression had changed, and Cochrane couldn't have failed to notice. Okay, what's bothering you? And don't say that there is nothing, because I see and perceive it. So take heart and spit it out. Cassandra sighed. There was no way to bluff someone like Gareth and not even one of her magic tricks would have saved her. I thought this moment would come later. I still feel unprepared for the future. I love you and I am sure of this. I want to be next to you. But it is as if I still cannot see my future location. Everyone in this story understood something, something more about themselves. Everyone but me. Cochrane took her hand. You don't have to worry about that. You too will find your way. Oh my, sorry. Did I just say that? I don't want to sound 
like a wise old teacher. But you must be more patient with yourself. Not everyone has experienced what you've experienced. And forgive another banal phrase stolen from a comic book. Not everyone has your superpowers. Cassandra looked him in the eyes. Despite having succumbed to rhetoric, Cochrane always managed to sound strongly sincere and convincing. There's nothing super about constantly feeling out of place, she told him. Cochrane who had always been out of place by choice and now by default smiled at her. The sense of belonging is the most overrated feeling. And now go and get ready and let's show everyone how to dance. A couple of hours later, Cochrane and Cassandra made their entrance into the Carmen Arte School. To welcome them, the usual orchestra that was warming up and a sumptuous buffet proudly managed by Papa Carmenate. Pat saw them enter and joined them with a mojito for Gareth and an outstretched hand for Cassandra. Would you like to dance? She asked incredulously. Of course not. Come with me for a moment, please. Cassandra followed him to the back where dozens of other crates of spirits of all kinds were just waiting for their own impending moment of glory. reached into his pocket and pulled out a piece of paper then cleared his throat. Here is a safe phone number, safe from everything and everyone. You have to promise me that if you ever need me, you will use it. had never seemed so peremptory and confident. Perhaps, Cassandra thought, Pat had never seemed like Pat. There wasn't really much to say, 
but something to do, yes. Cassandra took his hands and forced him to the sincerest hug they had ever experienced. Meanwhile, the ballroom was suddenly crowded with friends and colleagues. Serene and smiling faces, many of whom were completely unaware of the crossed fates of the celebrated. Carmenate had joined Amy and Crest, both beautiful and very elegant. Professor, Amy, I'm happy to see you here. I hope that in addition to toasting for Amy's leave and your life together, you will want to drink to my health, to that of the new Lieutenant Carmenate. Amy Crest smiled in unison and both raised their glasses. Then the young, new lieutenant reached Cochrane, who had remained a bit on the sidelines, waiting for Cassandra to return to him. So, boss, do we want to have another round at the bar? My father can't wait to let you taste his entire repertoire. Cochrane half smiled and patted him on the shoulder as if to say, Okay, let's go. For right now, my head is somewhere else. Carmenate stopped and squeezed his arm. What has happened? Come on, you can talk to me. Cochrane sighed, falling in love with her was a sudden suicide of my ego. He told him with a face halfway between desperate and overly happy. Carmenate took a sip from one of the two beers he had just opened. Falling in love with her was a saving act of your being, he replied, handing him the other beer. Just then, Pat and Crest's two assistants stepped onto the stage, all three wearing a black tuxedo with a glitter jacket. Cassandra reached Cochrane and Carmenate, also stunned 
at the sight of the new Pat and his backing singers. I want to dedicate this song to Cassandra and Gareth, without whom I would not be here playing an idiot on a stage on the eve of my official entry into the FBI, but that's life, or rather, that's how lives go. The band hit the notes of the Beatles in my life, and thunderous applause filled the venue. Crest walked over to Gareth and Cassandra, flashing a beaming smile and handing them two more cocktails. Well, that's a nice way to turn the page, he said smugly. Then he gave a more intense look to Cassandra, who was a little struck. Gareth made me read and reread the letters those two criminals have been exchanging for years. Do you know what I think? That beyond circumstantial evidence against them that will never, ever be found, especially since the woman seems to be dead. Their strength, the bond that has kept them together for all these years has determined something great and inexplicable. Gareth and Cassandra continued to look at him in surprise. You don't need to make those faces. You, more than anyone else, should know that conventional science doesn't always manage to explain how things go. Love is not as abstract as one would think. Artists, poets, philosophers and religious seers have tried in every way to make us open our eyes. But we have always persisted in not believing in seeking answers that would make us feel more in control of our life. But love reaffirms every time that there is no stronger and inexhaustible energy 
than that which is born between two people who come together. Love redefines the boundaries between possible and impossible. Amo ergo sum. Descartes should have opened his heart, not his mind, to find out how the laws of the universe work. We should find out what binds our heart to our mind. Cassandra looked Gareth in the eyes. Come on, the dance floor awaits us, she told him, taking his hand. In that instant, all the outlines of things and people in the ballroom became fluid and like neon lights. They redefined the perimeter of their new dance floor suspended in mid-air on the heads of the other unaware guests. Crest watched them standing in the center of the ballroom eye to eye in a kind of trance. I wonder if she's using some of her magic on him right now, he said in a low voice to Amy. Pat and the band were now singing Femme Fatale by the Velvet Underground, when Carmen Arte decided to answer the phone that had been ringing incessantly for a few minutes. Amy immediately noticed Ramon's darkened eyes and she couldn't resist the old reflection of the trade. What has happened? She asked him rhetorically. A real pain in the ass. They found the lifeless body of a certain Mr. Francis in the backstage of a small theatre in the village. Amy was puzzled. And why are they bothering the FBI? She reiterated more and more intrigued. Carmenate put his jacket back on. Well, he muttered, it seems that Mr. Francis has already been dead for 50 years. <laughs>